What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Stack Strength Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Daniel DeBrock. And today we're sitting down with Steve Hall, and we're going to be talking about constructing uh, a lifestyle around bodybuilding. So for those of you who don't know Steve, he's a natural bodybuilder, uh, but I'm actually going to hand it over to uh, to you to intro yourself and, and say all the, the cool things about you and what you've been up to. <laughs> First off, thanks for jumping on, man. Uh, for sure, yeah. Thank you for having me, Daniel. It's, uh, as you know, I'm normally the host, so I normally sit there and not say too much, maybe nod a little bit, prompt some questions. So it's always kind of fun being on the other end of it. I always am like very humbled to be invited on podcasts, so I appreciate it. Uh, but you're right, natural bodybuilder, that is uh, part of me, a uh, big part of my identity. I've been kind of, I guess, competing. First season was 2014, and I've done two seasons since then. The last one was last year. And uh, yeah, it's a big part of my life, and it basically developed a little bit of a career for me well I, I guess it did with kind of the content production is very much natural bodybuilding focused and a lot of my client base are kind of maybe not a huge amount of them are competitors there's certainly a chunk of that but a lot of them just love like building muscle losing fat uh, but I'm also I get yeah what else am I a natural bodybuilder I guess it's also my career I kind of dived into that so I am the uh, founder of Revive Stronger uh, and the, my um uh, right uh, my business partner is Pascal Floor, and uh, he does a lot of the things behind the scenes, and I'm kind of more front-facing in that regard. And uh, yeah, I guess we coach individuals to gain muscle, lose fat, uh, to stage for photo shoots, all that good stuff, and then obviously content production through mostly the podcast, the Revive Stronger podcast, where it kind of just developed from like, uh, I don't know if I can call myself a kid back then. I was still like a, a relative of adult. I was like mid-20s when I started it. But it was mostly out of curiosity and just wanting to ask people who I respected questions. And it just developed into something that I never thought it would become. And now it's like, yeah, I think we've done like 300 episodes or something crazy. It's been going since like 2015. So it's been going many, many years. So uh, those are two big parts. And yeah, I'm a dog owner. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> I love anime. Um, I love some coffee. I love some pizza. Uh, so yeah, but these bodybuilding is a huge part of my life. Awesome, man. And that's actually how I came to know you uh, is through your podcast and how I came to know Mike and a lot of other people actually. And so I feel like a podcast is a fantastic way to sort of network within the industry and just make different connections, learn from different people. And it's pretty cool as well, actually, because basically you get paid to sit there and learn while you're asking people questions. So depending on how self-serving you want to be in, in your in your interviews. So um, I guess the place that I wanted to start the conversation is in where people start and, and sort of what they can eventually build into as far as lifestyle goes, because uh, for myself, for instance, when I first got into personal training and just sort of coaching in general, I was an in-person trainer and I would work like, you know, anywhere between, I mean, when I first started, I wasn't that busy. I was doing like maybe a hundred sessions a, a, a month, but then once I got like busy and good, I'd be doing between 220 and 240 one-on-one -on -one sessions per month. And it was like crazy busy and it's very difficult to kind of make a lifestyle around that. Whereas now I've sort of made a lifestyle where I work from home, I make my own schedule. I mean, I'm very busy and I have a lot of work to do, but everything is sort of um, built around training, recovery, performance, and those sort of goals, as well as like business goals and things like that. And you seem to be in a pretty great position yourself for, for doing all those things. And I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what did that sort of transition process look like for you from, because I suspect you probably had somewhat of a similar 
sort of progression as, as most people usually do. Pretty similar. Uh, I can remember back when I graduated from university, I basically went into like office jobs. So I didn't go into personal training immediately. That wasn't my first career path. I was uh, the, the one I had the longest was in a for retail. I was like a assistant merchandiser and I was doing lots of things on spreadsheets and sitting behind a computer, which now I basically am doing the same thing. And uh, I picked up some skills for like, uh, well, I guess I use Google Sheets, but it was Excel at work and I, I picked up some skills there. But at that time, it was very much like I would, I remember I had meal prep Sundays. I think I even on the YouTube channel, if you search like meal prep Sunday, there's probably some vlogs where I <laughs> was, my little Steve was kind of cooking up a storm in the kitchen uh, for these meals that I would take to work. And I would just meal prep everything on a Sunday for the entire week. And I would just put everything in the fridge and then take this Tupperware to work. And uh, yeah, I, I'd do that. And then after work, it would be a case of like commuting back and going straight straight home and then straight to the gym and getting the training sessions in and i didn't ultimately at that time have a huge social social life i think that i my personality lends itself to bodybuilding in that i'm quite introverted and i'm quite happy to kind of be on my own and i get a lot of satisfaction out of just like being in the gym and training on my own i don't feel like i need a training partner so it's quite handy in that regard uh so that's where i was initially at least it was very much a case of like just getting it done where i could in the time i could and uh, I think I was fortunate that I didn't yeah, have a huge social life that was kind of leading me off uh, down that route. And I think part of that is life circumstances, because the reason I kind of got into bodybuilding was after an accident that I had, where I had a head injury and then I was kind of on fluid restrictions and things. So I was already someone who was a bit introverted to someone then who couldn't drink alcohol because I was on these fluid restrictions. And I became quite unconfident in myself already a fairly unconfident individual so I kind of drew myself in at that period of time and bodybuilding was that area where I felt in control and it gave me confidence so I didn't have that kind of pull of I don't know some other people just have like lifestyles that are much more adventurous and they go out drinking and partying and things and it just wasn't something I could do and then once I recovered it wasn't something that appealed to me to do and I just loved being in the gym and learning and even whilst I was at work <laughs> for some of my jobs, I can remember being on YouTube listening to, they weren't podcasts at the time, they were just like, um, Ian McCarthy was someone I'd listened to on YouTube. Um, and there was like Matt Ogus and 3DMJ and I'd listen to them whilst I was like working and making notes on the side, like, oh, this is okay, I should have this much protein and whatever it was. So I was doing that. And then there was just an opportunity where I, well, actually, no, what I did was on weekends, I'd study to become a personal trainer. So I decided, like, I love this thing that is bodybuilding. I love kind of the idea of helping people with their health and fitness goals. I was already documenting my own journey across YouTube and like doing odd bits of vlogs where I could just sharing the process. And so I decided to become a personal trainer or at least get the qualification to potentially become one. So I did that on the weekends and got qualified and then it was a case of do i want to pursue this retail career and become a merchandiser and wherever that would go or do i want to pursue becoming a personal trainer so an opportunity arose to become a pt in my home local gym i was working from sorry living at home at the time so it was very convenient and pretty risk-free so i became a one-on-one -on -one pt at this time but uh, i didn't get to the situation like you were where i was inundated with clients and kind of was very busy because I, at the same time, decided it would be a great combination to become a one-on-one -on -one PT as someone who's already quite kind of shy, not super confident, not very outgoing, and also do a contest prep. And so that took my energy away in terms of like, I, and I was ignorant to what contest prep would do to me from a 
kind of functionality perspective from a mood perspective all of that sort of thing so i had like zero energy i was already underconfident so like picking up clients and things i was almost glad when people weren't turning up for sessions and things i was like i have no energy man i just want to sit down and that meant my cardio had to go up because i was super unaware of like even neat and uh kind of steps and things like this so yeah i kind of ended up actually falling into online coaching at this point because people or rather i would call them kids they were a couple of years younger than me from the surrounding school saw me getting shredded they in the gym no one else was getting this lean in this kind of like local gym and uh, they i had the nickname compound guy because i'd be compact doing these compound lifts that no one else was they were doing bicep curls and things like uh, you've probably seen the, the transformation of education online and like the availability of like education. So people people just got education from like magazines and maybe there was a few kind of the internet wasn't kind of super popular back then in the same way as it is now with kind of blogs and things. So yeah, I started to take some of these guys who are interested and talk to them and be like, oh yeah, macros and like, yeah, you should prioritize compound lifts and kind of look to progressively overload. Like I had a very simple understanding of this, but I started Try, uh, coaching these people online and just doing like their spreadsheets and having them their, their training on there their nutrition and tracking that and i just started getting really good results with these guys and they refer me to other local people i'd end up working with people from school who i'd never really been friends with or contact like would speak to but they saw my content and so i decided right actually i i prefer this <laughs> sitting behind a computer again and doing uh, everything here and i can be in control and i quite like the Kind of analysis side and all of the data side and everything versus kind of being one-on-one -on -one. and it, it kind of lended itself to yeah my personality too so i just transitioned from that to online uh so then once i was online it's like i'm how i have been for the last uh since 2015 basically i've been doing online coaching full-time and it is like you said you can very much be in control of your own kind of when you work what you do and you can control when you do a podcast when you do content creation and when you want to go and train so i've been in a, an amazing position for a long time where like i can make my life like i talk about bodybuilding should complement your lifestyle but if you can you you can almost once you're an online coach and you're full-time doing that a lot of it can you can make everything else work around bodybuilding if you want it to so i can pick and choose the best time to train at the gym if i want to uh, i can pick and choose when i start work if i want to kind of go to bed at a certain time wake up at a certain time but it's and it's been a long time like that but it wasn't initially but i was also ignorant to all of the benefits of what kind of eating at maybe similar times like nutritional timing and things like this and circadian rhythm and going to bed and waking up i was kind of completely ignorant to all the benefits of that until later anyway so i kind of ignorance was bliss in a sort of way at the start there so that's how my kind of career transitions look like and how i've been able to yeah keep bodybuilding kind of going in the background but i think it's it's always been a big priority for me so even when i was at university studying and when i was recovering from my accident it was like the first thing i wanted to get back to was getting in the gym getting active so i think it's always come uh, as a big big priority so it's never been hard to make it work even when i was working and commuting an hour a day working a nine to five job it, it was the first thing i wanted to come back to and do yeah absolutely there's one thing that you mentioned that kind of resonates with me quite a bit is uh being glad when people cancel sessions sometimes so i'm a very introverted person as well and so it was i found it very exhausting to just constantly be with people I would, uh, I realized that after a while I couldn't do more than like four sessions in a row. And even that was quite a bit. 
and then I have to take like 30 minutes break, an hour break. And so I'd be there from like, you know, what, 6 a.m. till 11 p.m., like five, six days a week. And then sometimes even take some more on, on the Sunday. Like a short day would be like six clients or something like that, you know? And it was so exhausting. And I remember when I moved to online, I was just like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> you know, it you, you can almost provide a much better service too, because you can really be present. You can really do just a, a great job at what you do and, and really, I guess, double down on your skills, which are just being a little bit more methodical in terms of your implementation, your approach, really supporting them in ways that are going to be a little bit productive. Well, simultaneously being able to sort of encourage autonomy and competency through that sort of online coaching process, which does give a little bit of separation. So it kind of relies a lot more heavily on their behaviors and, and their routines built over time. So the one thing that I find that's sort of funny is like, I'll know, I know fitness coaches sometimes will be like, oh, well, everyone's in a different position and, you know, not everyone can do this. And it's like, not everyone has you know, or works from home. And it's like, totally. But like you and me, this wasn't just like an accident. Like you, you very consciously moved in that direction because of the very clear benefits and what you wanted. And so I'm not necessarily saying that because I expect everyone to just drop everything they're doing. I don't think that that's realistic, nor is it even really desirable for most people. But my point is that a lot of the times when people will point to someone in the fitness industry and be like, oh, well, they only have that because it's like, well, they didn't always have that. Just like you weren't always an online coach, just like I wasn't always, always an online coach. And so what are some of those things that people can do? Maybe, you know, they're a single parent, maybe they're going to school, maybe they have a really demanding career, you know, so they're not necessarily going to be able to get to that pinnacle of like, everything is just perfectly managed like a professional athlete. But what are some of the areas that you really look to to sort of start that transition and check off more of the bigger boxes that are going to have a larger magnitude of effect on our actual outcomes. Yeah, it's, that's really well put because it's like you said, not everyone's got, what is it, the thing that was going around recently, it's like everyone's got the same 24 hours in the day, like you should be able to get done whatever. And it's like, well, it doesn't quite work like that. And uh, like certain careers, particularly like I look at, I have not many clients have this or they might go tr through uh, kind of transitional periods i have someone at the moment who's a nurse and he was doing nights recently and it's just like man nights are such a nightmare like to to your bodybuilding goals like it just makes everything harder uh it's in every single way <laughs> yeah it's rough like i i don't think i've ever even done i've only the only time i've ever had it, a, a, an experience that's similar to that is maybe like when i was very young and at uni like a full night out and you just would, you wouldn't go to sleep or something weird like that or like a sleepover when i was a kid but as an adult like i i would never do it and i'd never choose to do it and i mean the research is it just shows how like harsh that can be on everything from nutrient partitioning to kind of muscle building and hormones and like your ability to perform and actually even like it impacts your sleep so you're more likely to get injured like every aspect like that but it's a case of if if they have to do that and they don't have a choice just like if you've got kids, like you mentioned, like some, if your child, Pascal has to deal with it a lot where his kids get him sick because they're getting all these bugs at, at school and they come back and he ends up getting sick or they wake up in the middle of the night. It's a case of realizing, right, so you can't control that. We focus on what we can control. It's that kind of stoic mindset. Focus on the things that you can control, not the things that you can't. Otherwise, like, otherwise if you keep focusing on the things you can't control, you, you just become debilitating. You won't do anything. But uh, there's a lot of things you can set yourself up well for. In, like if I just think about sleep, 
like sure if your your children are going to wake you up at various times of the night that's something that's completely outside of your control or maybe i have discussed this with some uh part uh sorry people in relationships and with their partners like you can take turns sometimes like maybe one of you get up and they kind of go see the child for i don't know that night or that week or whatever it is and then you take turns with the other one it doesn't always have to be like i don't know both of you going every single time uh, just makes it inefficient so you can do little things like that but also it's kind of through the day what can you do to make sure that the sleep you do get is as high quality as possible so it's like having that nice kind of pre-bed uh, sleep hygiene in place where maybe you're dimming the lights a couple of hours before bed you're making sure not to have any kind of large amounts of food a couple of hours before bed maybe you're having like a hot shower within that last hour before bed like you're trying to do almost everything you can to promote good sound sleep you're not doing anything stressful looking at your kind of work emails or checking something that's going to trigger you over on instagram i've done something like that before i'm just like, oh it's so harmless i'll just look at my phone it's like no i shouldn't have done that someone's commented something and i want to get back to them it's like that's the worst thing you don't want to stress yourself out before bed but you can that's all in your control is like whoever you are like you can control those last two hours before bedtime you you can control that you're not working in those hours if you're back at home like and you can control when you eat so you don't have to stuff in a bunch of food in those two hours so there's a lot of things you can do even little things like if you are working a busy office job i have a lot of guys who are kind of they're working these jobs where they're in and out of meetings and they can't sit down and eat a meal it's like well we know that to optimize kind of muscle growth and to get the most muscle protein synthesis through the day, we want to get multiple protein feedings. But if you just have breakfast and then dinner and you can't possibly sit down during the day, that's kind of we're sacrificing something there. So what are some little things we can do? OK, you can eat a couple of protein bars during the breaks when you go to the toilet or whatever. Like you can do things like that. I think some people are like, oh, that sounds so like obsessive and weird. It's like, yeah, but it, it's not that hard and it's little wins. Like what's the difference? Someone going out for a cigarette versus this guy going out to the toilet and kind of eating a protein bar. It's like, well, one's actually very productive for like health and like muscle gains, whereas the other one's completely unproductive. Uh, but people see that as like normal and fine. So I really like to, as you kind of described it, Daniel, put myself in my client's shoes. So something I have actually in my spreadsheets is call it like an average day. So it has like from like 5 a.m. to the, the next hour, like what are you doing by time? So it's kind of similar to your calendar where you might time block out your day in terms of what you're doing in terms of like, I don't know, this podcast, you're working with a client, you have kind of content creation, but I'm asking them kind of when are they working? When are they kind of resting? When are they training? Kind of what are they doing by time? And then what meals are they eating by time? And I kind of look at their macros, I look at food composition, and then I'm trying to be like, right, so we want to prioritize like nutrients around here or, okay, what are you eating at these various times? Is there anything we can exchange to make it more simple for you? Because again, you'll have clients who'll be like, I can't possibly get in breakfast. I've got no time in the morning. It's like, well, what happens if you kind of make a shake the night before and you have that in the fridge you leave and you can sit that on your way to work or what have you so there's always these little kind of holes within things that people can do to set themselves up for more success and i think also people have in their head they maybe look at someone like yourself daniel or me and they're like oh man they've got this lifestyle so they can kind of set everything up perfectly and it's like well you we have it this way set up but you a lot of these principles that we have you can tr put towards what you're doing so for example like you can we do a lot of things that are probably there's lots of diminishing returns potentially like i don't know a little bit more volume or we're doing it someone might do like forearm or like trap work or something like this or calves and be like well you can trim some of the fat and still get almost every all the gains you don't have to kind of do everything you can could dial it back i guess it it brings it back to kind of Pareto's law where it's like 
do the 20 percent that's like super important these are the big rocks to kind of make sure you're getting done like meet your protein targets at the end of the day kind of getting those big compound lifts in making sure you're getting eight hours of sleep once you get that stuff done like that drives like 80 percent of progress then you get all this other frivolous stuff that sure it can provide some extra gains and benefits but for a lot of people it's not even worth thinking about so i think putting yourself in your client's shoes first and foremost is, is the most important thing and then just looking at kind of right what are the biggest priorities what are the biggest rocks let's make sure we're attacking those and then any small wins we can make during the day let's see if we can also work on those yeah i love that and, and there's a lot of things that you said there and the first thing one of the one of the conversations i often find i have with clients is you know how you start isn't necessarily how you finish and so i mean the simple example that you gave about having a protein bar instead of going for a smoke or whatever, or in space of going for a smoke. It's really simple and it might not really move the needle, but if you stack up three, four, five, ten 10 habits over the next three months, that can move the needle, especially over the next year. You know, And so a lot of the times I think it might be difficult for people to really understand that compounding effect and how habits tend to sort of have this synergistic effect, especially just just in terms of how you internalize those behaviors as well it's like hey i do this because health matters to me or i do this because bodybuilding matters and now it starts to become a little bit more of your identity as well and so i, I think that those things can be incredibly impactful um and as far as uh kind of that progression i lost you oh, for a minute <laughs> i was i thought you were just <laughs> standing really no. still. It's all good. <laughs> um yeah so as far as the progressions go there were a couple of things that you mentioned as well. It's like, okay, what, what can you do? And taking that sort of client-centered approach, having a discussion and saying, what can we fit in? What can we add or what can we subtract that's going to be most productive but cause minimal amounts of friction? And those things are really, really important to have. They're not necessarily just like, here are arbitrary things that are good but may not necessarily apply to your circumstance. Or maybe it's the right thing to do but it's the wrong time and, and things like that. So... I really like how you actually had that conversation. I feel like a lot of people, when they, you know, read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, there's tons of great advice. But one of the pieces that often gets missed is how that might apply to their particular situation and how to know if that's going to be effective or not, right? Because, you know, like you said, maybe protein bar is fantastic or protein shake. What if the individual is lactose intolerant or they just can't tolerate protein powders and things like that very effectively? So, you know, that might be an example of, hey, we need to really make sure that these particular behaviors, even though they're great habits, are well suited for me in my particular context. So how do you go about having that conversation with the individual? I guess just kind of structuring that overview. So maybe someone who doesn't have a coach can look at that and sort of self-evaluate their own situation. Yeah, I think it's um it's again just diving into their day to day and and what that really looks like to get a full understanding because I think it's so easy to be like yeah you hear these just general recommendations put out there like whatever it might be four to five feedings of protein through the day and someone might hear that and be like oh man I just I have no idea how I'm going to possibly achieve that and as a coach you're a troubleshooter and you're looking for Kind of like you said there like if they're lactose intolerant my immediate thought was like oh what about like beef jerky and then maybe they're a vegan and it's like oh where, where do i go from here and you try and find some plant-based kind of protein powder that might maybe suits them 
and it's just and and even in this modern day when i think about food i'm like well like even going as far as like can you order in something like on your phone like whilst you're in a meeting like order in something from a, a restaurant nearby that kind of suits you and your needs so it's just trying to find like kind of those easy wins and those low-hanging fruit because again a lot of people will look towards like immediately supplementation and sure like supplements they just money they're just it's just money and then you can take it and then hopefully it has some tiny marginal benefit but it, like you said it's not really going to move the needle in combination with a lot of other things maybe it will do something for them but i think it is people get kind of they miss the forest for the trees and they're looking at the kind of the, the shiny things at the top that the advanced people are maybe doing and maybe some of them are talking about it a lot but a lot of the basics are what we're fundamentally trying to achieve so when you're coming back to sleep it's like well kind of what are your caffeine habits like do you even consider that are you kind of having a coffee to know at 4 p.m because you're feeling a bit tired and you want to have a pre-workout and you're training at five or something so like, well maybe we shouldn't use caffeine at that time it might fundamentally just be having kind of a negative feedback loop where now your sleep's worse you feel like you need it and then the next day and it just gets worse so it's just understanding exactly what that person's trying to kind of do on a day-to-day -day basis and, and fit it in it's a similar thing with kind of training frequency a lot of people immediately want to do like six days per week and you're like yeah but can you actually go and do six days or what you what's the least number of days you can definitely get commit to then we start with that and then you build up from that maybe it's like right so you're enjoying three days a week you're hitting them you hit every session for this like past month now we can transition probably to four days and you're going to benefit from that and you're going to see the benefits from that as well spreading your volume over more days and they can kind of slowly kind of get comfortable with things because yeah it can be overwhelming when i don't know if you start with someone who like the, the, and you're like right we're going to track your steps we're tracking protein carbs fat we're going to track fiber as well. We're going to do, track your weight every single day. I want you to log your weights in your spreadsheet and kind of the number of reps you got every single session. It's like, it could be completely overwhelmed for them. So you kind of have to meet them where they're at and just kind of focus on the basic things first, which might be like three or four weigh-ins. Let's hit some protein targets, maybe a calorie target. Let's just focus on that. And then you can just talk to me about how your sleep has been this week or something. And then it's trying to kind of develop it from there and kind of work with them because yeah you can't expect them to be able to take on everything immediately yeah absolutely and i think sometimes uh, especially for people who are sort of that early intermediate mid-stage intermediate i find sometimes those guys are very zealous to to do more to take on more they're like more volume more frequency more intensity more barbell movements all this stuff uh, or nutrition progressions or whatever it might be and uh one one of the things that i really like to hone in when i'm talking about nutrition or i guess even just sort of lifestyle interventions in general is talking about it a little bit more as a skill as opposed to like a set of behaviors so you know all i i used to fight at a high level i was a boxer and muay thai fighter and so like i always say that well i could teach someone if you spend one hour a day with me for one week i can teach you how to throw a very good jab where you throw it and it's like it looks really nice it's got power, it's crisp, you're bringing your hand back, it's snappy, it's, you know, it's great. But now let's put you in the ring with someone else who's actually going to hit you, and we'll watch how quickly all of your skills degrade, right? Because you haven't had enough time to really integrate it, and you haven't had enough, you haven't had any sort of experience to, to integrate it in a less than ideal environment, let's say, right? And so with, with nutrition, with training, with all these things, it ends up being really similar, where each individual constituent is pretty easy. You can eat this or not eat that. You can go for a walk. That's pretty easy. 
you can do all of these different things. But what happens when you have to stay late at work and then when you get home, instead of being able to go for your regular walk, you have to rush your kids to whatever, or you have to get a client's program to them right away because something happened or whatever, you know? Um, and so I think those are the skills that, that become a little bit more, like once you can do those things, that's when you've really got a good grasp of, you know, those routines, you become more adaptable. You can really have a high degree of competency. And so um, when things come up with clients, how do you go over both the educational process of like, okay, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, here's how we can kind of integrate this and adapt it, but then also how do you build up those skills and progress them over time so they become more resilient to, to sort of changing environments and circumstances? Yeah, I think that's really important, actually, that kind of flexibility perspective, because I know for me, and I don't know if this is the same for you, Daniel, but even when I got first into like, I, I discovered, I think at the time, it was really just called like, if it fits your macros. And so, it, oh, actually, no, I guess before that, I was on like the whole good food, bad food hype. So I would be taking like my Tupperware to my cousins where they'd have put food on for us. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm eating out my Tupperware. It's, really wasn't cool uh but then i moved towards like the, the slightly better improvement was like if it fits your macros and then it's a case of whoa what if someone's i don't know my mum's baked some sort of good and she's like do you want to eat this i'm like oh, i don't know the macros i possibly like i can't eat that like it's just completely blown my mind and this if that's like very regimented and very restrictive actually it's not flexible dieting which would be the more kind of optimal way or superior way i would say maybe not optimal and uh that's where you want to get your clients because if sure you could get them to hit numbers but if they're like a robot and they're like oh, i can't eat out i can't enjoy these kind of i don't know like my girlfriend's baked these brownies and i had no idea what's in them and i can't have that like it's very restrictive and that's no good or they kind of uh, they their friends invite them out for a meal and they haven't pre-planned that they're going to kind of have a, a calorie allowance for it and whatever and they're like oh I, I can't go and it ends up like i said at the start like bodybuilding is meant to complement your lifestyle not take it over so you just need to understand that these tools you can be flexible with these tools as well and so it might be a case of educating them about the weekly calorie average you go over slightly one day you kind of can come under one day or just the fact that if you go over a little bit by a number of hundred calories if you're in a deficit for the week you're still going to lose fat or if you're in just slightly more of a surplus it's not the end of the world especially if it's once in a while so it's kind of giving them the tools but teaching them how to use it and i think especially as an online coach it's important to kind of dig into your clients a little bit and make them feel like they can say anything to you like if they feel restricted or if they feel i don't know you, you know that they haven't I, I can't say that I keep an update on like, oh, I haven't heard you talk about you've gone out for a meal with your friends in the last month. Like this isn't something I keep tabs on, but it's certainly something where if they say something like, oh, my friends invited me out for a meal, but I turned it down because I'm about to hit my macros and that's more important to me. And I'm like, okay, I understand that. There can be times for that. And I respect that in some ways, but maybe it's not the healthiest long-term approach or the same way if your child maybe wakes up in a panic and you have to take them to any &E in the middle of the night and you've had a poor night's sleep. It's like, okay, so what should I do with my training? Well, like I'm, I'm really stressed now. I'm having worse sleep. And it's just like teaching them and getting them to understand how to go through these moments and just being there is like a kind of as a comfort and to get them to understand that it's not like one day is going to make or break you. It's kind of longer term actions and that consistency over the long term. And then once they go through some of these, kind of i guess hiccups or whatever you want to call them they when they come up again they're like oh no i know exactly what to do in this situation and i know 
like when I come out of it, I'm in, in a fine place and it's not the end of the world. Cause I think at least a lot of people I work with are very kind of meticulous. They may be a little bit OCD and they want to do everything right. And so if there's anything that's slightly off, it kind of throws them off quite a lot. And that isn't a sustainable approach for most people and not for them. So I'm trying to get them to be like, to kind of chill off a little, chill out a little bit. Like if they miss a training session, because whatever reason they just were late at work and they couldn't make it, you can just push it back one day. It doesn't matter if your mesocycle is like one day longer, but it can be quite stressful if people are into routine because routine and habit building is part of this whole process, but you need that extra flexibility component. And I think it's just having that education and awareness of like, again, one day won't break you. It's kind of what you're doing, your consistent actions over time. And if you're nailing everything most of the time, it doesn't matter if you have like these slight blips on the, whatever it might be because over the long term that linear kind of uh, bird's eye view is it's all moving in the right direction so yeah it's just kind of getting there i always use the term, the phrase kind of experience cures anxiety it's certainly been my experience with everything like the more times i go through like a contest prep and a peak week times that used to be super stressful for me whereas the more times i do it i'm like ah i like i know this i i felt this it's nothing to be super stressed about it's not the end of the world even if something kind of goes a bit array so it's just kind of, yeah, taking them through that process and slowly kind of give them a little bit more freedom in that regard too. So you might be talking to someone as a client who they don't eat out at the moment, but they want to. And it's like, right, what's the next kind of smallest step we can take? Let's go to Nando's or somewhere that has the macros available on the restaurant. Like just go out and eat there. Like select something that fits your normal meal and kind of fit that in or what have you. And then it's a case of, okay, maybe go to a restaurant and you can start estimating things. And like you don't need to have the numbers specifically you know roughly what this kind of the calorie amount in these various foods are and maybe you transition them eventually to okay, just treat this as like a free meal like you've maybe saved a bit of calories for it don't go overboard don't go crazy be mature about it but go and enjoy it and switch off a little bit and then once you've got them to that point they're not now controlled by these various things like protein and macros and things they're in control of it all and they're in a really strong position then to kind of do this long term and it becomes a lifestyle which is ultimately what we're trying to achieve i guess i don't know if that answered the question but my that's where my brain went it was, it was a great response um and i totally agree like i'm a big fan of the whole great exposure and making sure that people kind of get some experience in different environments to to sort of see how they respond because i think most people know how to eat healthy like i know a lot of people in fitness are like oh people don't know it's like people know people know what to eat they know um you know they need to exercise they know they need to sleep they, they know they need to manage like they already know this stuff the problem is they don't know how to implement it you know and a lot of that is just because they don't have enough exposure to these things in in a really conscious framework so they're not going into it thinking okay how am i going to manage this they're just like okay i need to eat healthy and so i can't have any cake and i need to only eat salad you know or i can't eat meat because whatever like i've heard i've heard some crazy things but so i think most people like know what to do they just don't necessarily know how to implement it and so giving them the exposure to those things is a really great opportunity to also sort of i i, I hate the word destigmatize but like to some degree it kind of is that because you you go out you eat and you're like huh my world didn't end i didn't yeah. gain 50 pounds you know i actually am like still right on track because i made good decisions you know and like or if they eat a bunch of carbs like they sort of start to expect the weight fluctuations or, or whatever it might be um i'm really curious to hear about uh one thing actually this is something that i've been experimenting a lot more 
as I dive into a lot of the research on like depression, anxiety, mood disorders, even obesity, is people's life outside of actual gym and diet and stuff like that, whether or not they feel fulfilled in their social life. So one of the things that I've certainly noticed is I'm very introverted. I work a ton. I train really hard. My entire life is basically predicated on research and, and uh, training, you know, and then I coach clients, but most of my work, I'd say like probably 65% of my work is more research and education based. And so I'm always sort of living on an island. And I remember I started uh, reading a lot more on uh, obesity and, and depression, a lot of these things. And one of the big uh, returning or sorry, recurring themes was um, loneliness and isolation and how these ended up being social things that had this sort of cascade effect that led to obesity and depression and blah, blah, blah. And so one of the things that I started implementing was actually making sure that I'm going out you know, for me, it was hard to even go out once a week. I had to really, like, I had to put in my calendar and be like, make time to hang out with friends once a week. And then that progressed to two times. And sometimes I even get three times a week. And it's very recurring now. So it's 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 sort of an integrated habit that I have to consciously think about still, but it's it's a thing. And what I actually noticed is that for me personally, my diet was way easier. The quality of work that I produce is way higher. I don't feel like I'm burnt out. I don't, like I really enjoy just everything. And I think a lot of that comes down to just having a lot more fulfilling relationships and I guess a more fulfilling life in general. And so uh, it's something that I've sort of been experimenting with my clients for the last while is actually getting them like specifically being like, hey, I want you to go out more. And I've done this in the past, but I think this, now it's more an actual real solid tangible part of my actual coaching practice. And I just wanted to know you know, if you found that either personally or if you've done anything like that with clients before, if that is something you really, really stress or if basically just your thoughts on that. Uh, I think it's really interesting. And I can, I can definitely see why you saw the benefits from it. Because if anything, it's just kind of take you. Sometimes I'm very similar to you in the regards to like working and researching and being with clients and being kind of introverted in that regard and sometimes it can feel overwhelming even though it necessarily shouldn't and sometimes I feel like I'm working really hard but I, like I've actually not been that productive today because my mind's just not quite been there and sometimes just having kind of this weekend where or like a day where I visit my friend will come visit and we'll just walk around London and I won't look at my phone the entire day I won't be on social media I won't think about bodybuilding for the day and I come back and I, I just feel so much more with it and switched on and enjoying things more whereas when you're constantly it's like uh i can think about being back at school it's a long time now but when you're just revising like i would just think more is better i'll do more hours of revision and it's better but if i broke it up i segmented it i had some free time i'd go to the gym like i take it in so much better so i think it is one of those things where if you can kind of break this up it can be really helpful and i think it's 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 not something i'm well read in at all and so it's not something i like uh, strictly applied to clients like i'm not asking them too much about kind of like how many times they've gone out and things i build a personal relationship i do like to talk about kind of what they've been up to and i have like a segment in my notes of like lifestyle factors like have they been going like if they say they've eaten out and they and i, I kind of get to know them in terms of like what they like and things like this but different clients like to divulge more of that versus others but i like it because it lets me 
they like to get some of them like to get to know me a little bit i get like to get to know them a little bit more than just like the numbers and kind of what they're meant to be doing in the gym because we build that rapport and we have a better relationship and that definitely builds better results because i feel like i really understand them and how they tick whereas the ones who are a bit more robotic and closed off kind of like i don't know what's going behind the scenes it's a bit challenging at times uh, and it's a little bit hard online like I, I i guess you do video kind of check-ins is that how you do yours as well yeah, once a week, I'll like, they send me like my my check in sheet that I have, it's fairly detailed. And then I just record myself going over it. Okay. Because like you were saying, I actually really do believe that I could send them an email saying the exact same information. It's not gonna be anywhere near as impactful. And it's not going to develop that sort of uh, rapport, the trust, all that stuff as if they actually see me visually going through it with them and talking to them, hearing my voice, seeing my face. So I think that's an incredibly important part of the coaching uh, aspect as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And it, it's something I learned very early on when I would do email kind of check-ins. And I was just like, man, this just doesn't work. How can, how can I make this better? And I think I have to credit 3DMJ, who I think were doing these kind of vlog-style check-ins. So that's how I do it with my athletes now. And I can even pick up on things sometimes in their vlog, like if they just seem a bit despondent, a bit down to usual, especially like competitors, you can see them as they transition, not just in their face, but then they slur a little bit, they get a bit slow. That's kind of expected. But even if it's someone who's just like, I don't know, in a general mass phase, you kind of, maybe they normally check in, it's 10 minutes long, now it's five. Like you can kind of read these signs and you get an idea of what's going on in their kind of personal life a little bit via that. But I'm always conscious of not crossing a boundary of like, I'm their PT, I'm not like, I don't know, that's a little bit more, I guess, um, like self-help and, and things along those lines and kind of lifestyle focus. So I can't say I've gone to the the depth that you have, but I do think it's a healthy thing to like have. I think it's um one of the, the worst things you can do for people. I remember this coming up because of kind of all the isolation that went on during COVID and everything. But one of the worst things you can do for like a prisoner is put them in a room like on their own and just isolate them. Like isolation is like the worst thing because human contact, humans need to have connection. I don't know if you need to necessarily, I don't know if there's any research on it, but I don't know if you need it from like a one-on-one, -on -one, like go out, or if you can get it from like, we're talking here, maybe that's, a, you get a little bit from that, or you talk to someone on the phone, or you message someone, or FaceTime them, or you kind of just talk to people on social media. I don't know if you need to kind of go one-on-one. -on -one. I know there's probably also levels to it. I, I personally get more when I'm one-on-one -on -one with someone. And then maybe like, I get a little bit from a podcast, a bit less from like a text message, and then like a bit more from FaceTime. I can definitely see how these kind of lend themselves towards being um, kind of helping with your bodybuilding. I, I think a lot of people look at it as like a, these are going to be harming things, but I think they ultimately will make you work even harder for everything else that you need to and maybe help you kind of stop you being able to, I know for one of my clients, he said at the moment, he's just started back at school and he's working as a teacher and he's really busy. And he was like, actually, I'm really glad because it's stopping me thinking about things that I don't need to be worrying about, like my training, nutrition, like it just happens on routine and things are just moving in the right direction. So I think if it can do something like that, kind of distract you from the noise of things you don't need to be worrying about, I can definitely see how that helps everything move along. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, no, I appreciate the feedback. It's, it, it, it is just something I've sort of been like thinking about quite a bit and, and exploring a little bit with clients. And again, like you said, you know, I'm not a psychologist, you're not a psychologist. So it is sort of a fine line to tread. Um, I, I guess 
the main thing for me is just, you know, when people, because I have a handful of subjective scores that I get them to uh, to submit as well. So, you know, we're looking at mood, we're looking at stress. Uh, a new one that I added was just like sense of purpose, meaning and fulfillment in, in your life, which is, again, very subjective, but it's supposed to be. Um, and when they start like, when they start talking, like when I can see sort of a negative trend, that's usually when I'll be like, hey, what's going on? Like, what do you think, you know? And it's not like, hey, here's what you need to do with your husband or whatever it might be. It's more along the lines of like, hey, what's going on? Like, why aren't you going out anymore? Or why aren't you going for your walks anymore? Or, you know, hey, I noticed that since your your dog passed away, you've been, you know, a lot more sad. Like, would you consider getting a new pet? You know, like kind of just more, I don't want to say superficial things, but things that can sort of superficially lead to the deeper stuff, if that is something, you know? and I don't know that I really have a, I don't know. I, it's, it's just been something interesting anyways that I, I kind of wanted to ask you, I guess. Um, but in terms of, um, in terms of actually progressing, because we've talked a lot about, you know, probably more on the beginner intermediate side, as we move into the more advanced type of athletes that, that you're coaching, obviously there, there are going to be certain things that apply to them that probably aren't realistic for most other people. You know, it's like, when you're looking to get to the top, any investment is worth it. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, whatever. It's like if that can get you that little slight edge, that's going to be worth it for them. And so, uh, when you're looking at taking someone who's you know very serious about their training, and they decide, hey, you know what, I want to be a competitor. Maybe I want to get my pro card. Um, you know, or I want to start doing whatever. H how does that? conversation sort of happen and where do you sort of look to to fill those gaps you know assuming you know they are starting out from a place where they're pretty good with their macros their sleep styled in their training's real consistent they're checking off those you know important boxes where do you sort of look to really refine that and kind of get that last little bit out of their their training their nutrition and lifestyle it's a it's a good question because i think it's very uh different for different individuals because i have some people that uh, want that and they have ambitions for that but they've already actually been behaving kind of in that way already and so it's a case of like they want to do more like that that they're that person that's like more is better come on like we can do more volume add in another leg day or whatever like oh i'm not training my like upper traps or whatever like i gotta be doing some upper trap work and i'm kind of like for those i'm like i need to actually pull you like they're the kind of individuals that are hyper focused thinking about it all the time they almost need that kind of switch off. I need to actually, they're, they're too far that way where they need to kind of pull it back a little bit because it's, again, maybe they're going to burn out at some point and it's just overstressing for them. So I definitely have those types that are already like too far that way. But for the other ones, and this is something I always ask during a consult is like, do you, do you have competitive aspirations? Because some people sign up and they're just open. They're like, I don't have competitive aspirations. This is more of like a hobby for me. I just want to look and feel good naked. I'm like, right, cool. I kind of know where your investment should be versus someone who's like, I have ambitions to go pro as a bodybuilder. I'm like, well, if you want to go pro, you need to behave like a pro athlete would and take it as serious as, as they would because no one gets, well, very few people get pro by accident. No one's like gets their absolute mus muscular potential by accident. Like you have to be doing nailing, uh, dotting every I, crossing every T. So it's then being a case of, right, so this kind of binge drinking every weekend that you're doing you have to kind of really have a chat with them and be like that's not going to be productive towards your goals and it's a case of just being real with them in terms of like if they're not achieving their sleep each and every night um i don't find because some people 
again, like the extreme person, they're like, oh, I should be tracking. Maybe it's like they're thinking, my HRV, I should go buy the latest I don't know, Aura ring and track all my sleep data. And I'm like, but is this data meaningful? Are we just tracking it for the sake of tracking it? And you're like, this is cool and exciting, but are we actually changing anything because of the data we're getting? So I'm very careful not to kind of just push them too far that way. Again, buying every supplement under the sun. For some people, they're already nailing everything they need to. It's just time that they need to invest. I find that's probably the most people in this position are just like, they're doing everything they need to be doing. They probably need to relax a little bit more and just keep investing more time and learning their body and what it's responding to and listening to that rather than focusing on like what they're not doing because most of what they're not doing, they don't need to be doing. It's not ultimately productive. I don't know if you see that with people as well where they're just like, more is better. Let's track every variable. Yeah, no, I definitely do. And and that's that last piece that you said is so tough at the time because it you you really can't rush it. Like your body if you're doing everything, your body's gonna adapt as fast as it possibly can. And there's nothing you can really do outside of just taking copious amounts of drugs and stuff like that, obviously. But like and even then there's still a rate limiting factor, you know, where your body can only adapt so fast. And that I think is definitely something that a lot of people really struggle with um especially people who are in it for the long haul like you know long-term clients who have been coaching with you for like you know a couple of years and they're seeing great progress and it's consistent and their numbers are going up they're getting leaner all these things are happening and so they can see where it's going but then at the same time they're like man it's also like this kind of harsh realization of just how how difficult it is to to accomplish some of those things that you see on on social media like you know where you look at your physique and you say oh man you know if i if i lost like 25 pounds i'd have abs and i'd be shredded and it's like ah you probably need to lose like 50 pounds if you want to look like that you're like what no way and it's like yeah you you don't understand like you're making great progress but you're gonna it's probably double whatever you think it is you know yeah. Or, or strength-wise, people will be like, man, I put like 20 pounds on my bench press, you know, in like three months. And so in like two years, I should be benching 600 and I'm basically going to be a world champion. You're like, uh, you're seeing good progress, you're chipping away, but you can't necessarily assume that it's just going to be this like, you know, linear approach. But it's, it's, it's a tough conversation to have because even though they know it, you know, like you can tell them, they'll be like, yeah, I know this it's it's like still they have this like compulsion to just push for more and more and more and they want faster results and that was definitely a point that i reached and actually that was the point that catalyzed me wanting to go out with friends because i started realizing that i was kind of starting to veer into those unproductive habits where i was like okay is there something else i could track is maybe i can get a little bit more sleep maybe i can take a nap maybe i can do this and it was actually starting to have a counterproductive effect on my on my stress levels and so that's when I started going out. And so it's it's a really interesting conversation uh, to have when you reach a client, or sorry, when a client reaches a point like that. That being said, they're also exemplary because you tell them to do anything, and they're like, done. Yeah. There's no yeah. argument. Done. You know, it's pretty awesome. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. I'd so I, I want to be respectful of your time. We're kind of almost approaching that hour mark. Um, was there anything else that I guess you wanted to touch on, uh, maybe summarize what you're saying or maybe some additional points that maybe we, we didn't talk about? Sure. Yeah. I just think it's touching on what you mentioned there with the time, as you were saying, it was just like that for a lot of people, that's what it is. There are these fundamental principles we need to achieve on a day-to-day -day basis, which ultimately once you've got them down as habits, like spreading your protein out through the day, 
making sure you get eight hours unnegotiable sleep like most days you're doing these things prioritizing carbohydrates around your workouts making sure to train with good technique and good intensity take your kind of deloads and your rest days and have that all in the mix like it's just a case of once you've got all that down like you're doing basically everything you need to be doing anything else outside of that is mostly just like fucking around maybe it makes it more exciting it's not really going to add a ton to what you're doing it's now just time so that's why it's so important to make these things sustainable and suit your lifestyle and ultimately be enjoyable because it's like you mentioned if you're doing like going down the path you were going maybe eventually you just get burnt out you're like man i can't do this like this is not fun and you just completely give it up whereas now you're like actually you know i'm going to take some time away from kind of the sport and put it into other things because it almost can just happen on the back burner I always look at someone like Jeff Alberts who has just like has a family and their priority and his bodybuilding just happens in the background he's not like thinking about it all the time and he's a like incredible bodybuilder at this stage I think it is that just time under the bar he's been doing it for like 30 years and so I think most people don't get to that point and they're like after five years they think they should be like the next pro and it's like well you might be investing everything and you're doing things that have like diminishing returns to the like hugest amount you're probably more stressed than you need to be trim lots of that back do it for another 10 years and you'll be in a way better position and you'll actually get there versus kind of burning out sooner than you need to so yeah that's that's all i'd reinforce is just yeah it just all takes time and that's coming from personal experience when i first competed in 2014 i think i'd been doing it like that long how long i've been doing it for like six years seven years at that stage and like i had no physique to speak of whereas now i'm like 16 years in and i have a pretty decent physique where like maybe i could possibly go pro if things landed in my favor uh it would be very tough and i'm not sure it's completely realistic for my frame but i'm gonna try now but it's just been a case of how did i get here i just kept being consistent with everything and yeah sure keep up to date with the science new things come out maybe there's something you can slightly apply but nothing major is training uh, ch sorry changing the kind of basics of the basics for a reason and they stay as foundations for a long time so never stray too far away from from that stuff absolutely i think that's a great place to finish so where can people find you steve yeah thank you so much for having me um so if people want to find the podcast it's the revive stronger podcast uh that can also be found at revivestronger.com that has our coaching and more information like that and then i'm on instagram is where i'm most present uh individually and that's at revive stronger so basically revive stronger anything and you'll probably find something uh, related to us Awesome. So all that stuff's going to be in the show notes, guys. Uh, make sure you check out his page, his podcast. Uh, I subscribed to his podcast a very, very long time ago. That's actually um, where I ended up meeting uh, Mike and a lot of those other guys. And so, yeah, definitely go check it out. Thanks so much, Steve, for for jumping on, man. It was great to great to chat. For sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me.